Uh, this morning, continuing our study in the book of Matthew, we're going through the entire gospel of Matthew, taking a look at what Jesus said. As Christians, we need to base our lives off our teachings about what he said and did. What's amazing is we've got a very weird, several weird versions of Christianity out there today where people kind of just make it up <laughs> based on their own contemporary thinking and what's cool and everything else and really have gotten far away from what Jesus thought. We can't make this stuff up, okay? We got to follow the teachings of Christ. So we thought, well, we're just going to focus on what he taught. So that's what we're doing. We are now at chapter 20 in the book of Matthew. And Jesus now is telling a parable, which is a nice religious term for simply a story. He would tell stories and analogies trying to get through spiritual points to the people who were uh, listening to him. So he gives this story. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. Now he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them to his vineyard. So that's the deal. You can work for me. I'll give you the denarius. The guy said, yes. So off they went to work. Well, about nine in the morning, a little bit later, which to me is still early in the morning, <laughs> he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, well, you also go and work in my vineyard. I'll, I'll, I'll pay whatever's right. Don't worry, I'll take care of you. He never makes a, a financial commitment at this point. He does to the first guys. But from here on out, he just said, I'll, I'll take care of you. And Jesus said, so they went. And then he goes out about noon and at about three in the afternoon, he does the same thing. So he keeps going out different times of the day. He sees these people unemployed as he's going about town. He says, man, go work. Go to work. I'll pay you. Go to work. So uh, they did that. Well, then he gets to the final one about five in the afternoon. He went out and found still others standing around. Now, the work day ends about six, so they're only going to get in about an hour's worth of work here. And he asked them, he says, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? And they said, because nobody's hired us. And he said, well, you also go work in my vineyard. I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. Just go, go to work. So they talk, took off and started working. Well, when the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, he said, okay, call the workers and uh, pay them their wages. Start with the last ones hired and then go on to the first. Well, the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and they each received a denarius, the original amount pledged to the first workers. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. A natural human response, I think we would all think the same thing. If we were busting our buns all day long, we see the last guy's only been here for a little while, and they're getting paid the denarius, they're like, wow, this guy's, man, we're gonna do really well for the day. But Jesus said, each one of those guys who had been working all day also received a denarius. Well, when they received it, they began to whine and bellyache and grumble against the landowner. Because that's not fair. That's not fair. We have a culture today that is obsessed with fairness. And the power of the federal government is constantly trying to make things fair. Of course, they always just screw things up more than they were originally, but that doesn't seem to stop them. They're always trying to get fair, and everything's got to be fair, and everybody wins. Everybody wins. We have sports today in schools where nobody keeps score. You know, everybody gets a trophy just for showing up, which is a terrible thing to teach your kids, because at some point, they're going to receive the real shocker that life's not fair, all right? 
when you get out there in the real world, it's not fair. I don't care how much Uncle Sam or a bunch of nitwits are going to try and make things fair. It's never going to be fair. And by the way, every time your kids whine that it's not fair, which is always a common complaint of young people, it's not fair. It's not fair. Well, first of all, just start laughing. <laughs> and then tell them to shut up. Life's not fair. It's a great teaching moment. Every time they say, life's not fair, I say, I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> because life bites and life's not fair and now you get to learn this very valuable life moment right now and tell them to hush and move on with it quit this obsession trying to make everything fair you can't it's life it is what it is if you would have come to our women's conference you would have heard a lot of talk about that this time you know life is what it is it ain't fair so they start whining and verse 12 says, well, these who were hired last worked only an hour. And you have made them equal to us. It's not fair. Equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. And the landowner replied, he said, look, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Did you not agree to work for a denarius? <coughs> of course, the answer is yes. That's what they agreed. He said, well, take your pay and go away. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. And I love this quote, these next words. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Clearly a man who has never experienced the IRS <laughs> or the federal government. Apparently we don't have the right to do with what we want with our money anymore. God help us all. And he says, or are you just envious because I'm so generous? Which, you know, you know, shut up. This was the deal. Okay, this was the deal. You agreed to this. And by the way, if you say you're going to do something, do what you say what you're going to do and do what you say. And don't always constantly be changing things as you go along because you're trying to make things more fair. Well, I didn't know about this and I didn't know about that. So Jesus said, well, the last will be first and the first will be last. Now, a few things just from this very simple parable today. Um, we've already seen that Jesus has let it be known in no uncertain terms that there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be shocked at who doesn't get into heaven, particularly those who don't get in. <laughs> because they're thinking, well, I get to go in. I've, been, I've done this and I've done that. And he's going to go, Pfft. I have no idea who you are. Okay? And which is important for people to realize. You know, you can have the external trappings of this, that, and the other, and quite frankly, God doesn't really care. He looks at your heart. There's a lot of people who are full of baloney. Uh, they sparkle on the outside, but inside they're all icky. And uh, God knows the heart. And Jesus has said, there's going to be many on that day who are going to be shocked beyond their wildest dreams. I say, but I did this and I did that and I was that and I, I love kitties and dogs and I did this and everything. And what are you talking about? I ain't getting in. And he says, too bad, you're not getting in. So, a lot of people are shocked about who doesn't get in, but apparently there's also going to be a lot of people who are shocked about who does. A lot of people that we would probably disapprove of are going to get in. And uh, at the end of the day, God's going to say, hey, this is my grace. I can do what I want. And uh, it is what it is. Um, now, the other part of this that we see is apparently some people get upset at God 
because of who he's willing to let in into the kingdom of God and into this thing of grace. Now, I, I don't know a whole lot of people like this, at least not today. The culture's changed a lot, thankfully, I think for the better in the Christian community. We've, we're much more aware that we need to let everybody in. Um, and our church has really striven for that. You know, a lot of churches tend to be of the same whatever. You know, they're all the same color or the same economic status. So that you have the poor church, the rich church, the black church, the Latino church, all these different things like that. Uh, at, at our church, we've always tried to striven to not get into all that. Everybody is welcome. We don't care who you are, uh, where you've come. And we don't all try to think the same. We're not about trying to make everybody all think the same. The beauty is, is uh, I think God gets the most credit when people who don't think the same love each other. And so that's what we've tried to be here. But uh, there are people who do get upset at times for who gets into the kingdom of God. Some very religious snooty people get upset about things like that. I remember when we first became Christians. Now, some of you geezers my age and older will remember in the 60s when I became a Christian, you know, we were hippies. Had hair <laughs> out to here, which don't have that problem anymore. But, uh, you know, hair everywhere. i got to show you the picture someday. You'll laugh hysterically. It's quite horrifying. Uh, but, uh, you know, we had t-shirts and then we had blue jeans, you know, with holes and rips all over them. Now, I know people today actually buy jeans that way on purpose, which I don't get. I go to the mall and I see these jeans and they're all, it's like someone just beat the snot out of them and trampled dirt into them and, and ripped them in the knees and everything. Now they're selling them for $300. I'm like, what? You know. We wore stuff like that just because they fell apart. You know, that's what we did. We just kept wearing the holes and ripping into it. And huge bell bottoms. We were kind of like the natural street sweepers of America. You know, we just, you know, we were kind of grubby and something. We didn't wear shoes and we were, you know, dope smoking, pill popping, disgusting little creatures because that was what was happening in the culture at the time. But those of you uh, my age and older will remember an amazing thing happened in America about that time. A real spiritual renewal spread across the country. Probably the last legitimate real spiritual renewal that has taken place in this country in 50 years. Uh, and it was called the Jesus Movement, the Jesus People Movement. And lots of hippies were coming to Jesus and their lives were being dramatically changed as they come, came to Christ. A lot of people who are pastors today if you'll check with them, were among those people. We were those hippies uh, who got saved and now we are the pastors of today and stuff like that. It was, a, it was an incredible time. Thousands, tens of thousands of pe young people were coming to Jesus. It'd be great to see something like that happen again today. But uh, it was a big deal. Um, and it wasn't that we were going to church necessarily in here. And this, it was like one hippie telling another hippie about Jesus. You know, I remember when I first heard this, I mean, I was, I was in the basement, I'm smoking dope. You know, and this other hippie who'd gotten saved a few days earlier comes in and he's just grinning from ear to ear and his eyes big. I said, whoa, what happened to you, man? He said, oh, man, I asked Jesus in my life. What? And he starts telling me about Jesus and the Bible says this and the Bible says that. And I'll keep in mind, he's been converted three days. The Bible says this and the Bible. Because later when I became a Christian, I checked it and he was wrong about everything. But he was, the Bible says this and the Bible says So, which is good news because it's not about what you think. 
It's about knowing God in your life. So I'm hearing this and, I was, and all of a sudden I'm going, wow. And, and, and I, all I know is, is it was just God touching my heart. And in the eye of my mind, I could just picture Jesus hanging on the cross for me and looking at me. And I just started crying. And I said to the guy, dude, dude, pray with me so I can have that too. He said, wait, I'm not done yet. And the Bible says this. And the Bible says that. I'd ask that three, three times to shut up before he finally prayed with me. And I uh, finally prayed and tears coming down my cheeks. And it's like a million pounds lifted off my shoulders. And God changed my life. And this just, again, we just talk one hippie to another. And these people were dramatically experiencing God totally outside the box. Totally in a way that nobody would expect. That everybody thought, you know, they have to come to church first and do it this way. And, but God can do whatever he wants to do. And he does whatever he wants to do. So anyway, we, you know, we're all now Christians and guess we ought to go to church. <laughs> okay, you know. Well, we started going to church, and they weren't happy to see us. I got to tell you, they did not like it. We came in, we were grubby looking, and we had the holes and the jeans and no shoes on. There were preachers who'd preach right at us. You, you hippies with long hair and shredding frazzles. I mean, world's dying going to hell. They worry about our hair. Good grief. <laughs> Bunch of idiots. But anyway, so we finally found churches that actually liked to see us, you know, and they brought us in and we didn't look like they looked and we didn't sound like they sound and our songs were different than their songs and, and everything else, but they, they had the wonderful heart of just receiving anybody. And uh, so I know what it's like to run into people who don't appreciate who gets in. Okay, and, and uh, they might say, well, it's not fair. You know, we've been Christians all our lives and we've done this right and that. And how, how can this, you know, person now late in life who's made all these mistakes, how can they get in here and, and have the same thing we have? And that's what Jesus said. That's just the way it works. God's grace is open to everybody and anybody. Now, we encourage our young people, please, for the love of heaven, don't, don't screw up your lives. A lot of pain in screwing up your lives. Uh, you know, but... Despite our effort of encouraging people not to do it, there will be those who do. And we always say to them, look, always know you have a home here. No matter how much you don't listen to us and you screw up your life, always know, always know in your head, you can come back here. You know, if you break into a million pieces, unlike all the king's horses and all the king's men, we can put you back together again. And God has a wonderful, now better not to break into a million pieces in the first place. There's a lot of pain in that. A lot of you know what I'm talking about. A lot of mistakes. And the older you are and the more mistakes you made, the longer the list of regrets. And, uh, and I get it. But the beauty is you can come at any time and you get paid the same wonderful grace and forgiveness as people who've done it right all their lives. So that you can always come home. That's a wonderful thing. And we need to take this message to people everywhere. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what your deal is, you are welcome here. And, uh, and that's always been our attitude. It still messes with people sometimes. Um, not so much now, but in the early days of Celebration Church, I remember some women would get mad because new ladies were coming to church and they were dressing inappropriately. They didn't know, you know, they're dressing, dressing like they normally dress. And they'd come holler at me. You got to tell them women to dress better. I said, why? Leave them alone. Well, my husband's looking at them. Well, slap your husband. <laughs> yeah. Tish. Oh, sorry, I thought you had a fly, you know. Uh, you know, we love, so we, we love everybody. And it doesn't matter what you look like, how much money you make, blah, 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 how you vote. We don't really care about all that stuff. We're here to just share this wonderful grace that we all have had and give it to as many 
people as we possibly can. So, but uh, now Jesus is talking and, and warning. He says the kingdom of heaven is like this. God's kingdom is like this. There are going to be people who are going to be ticked when people who didn't do it right are as blessed and have all the grace of God in their life as those who, who did do it right. Now, the big challenge here, he's really talking to these Jewish believers. Now, you have to remember that early Christianity, it was, it was all Jewish. You know, people, any Christian, you know, I hear people, bigoted morons who make comments about other people. You know, Christians say, oh, you know, oh, I hate Jewish people. You're, you're an idiot. You know, Jesus was a Jewish person. So was his mom. So were all the disciples. Everything in your Bible, they're all written by Jews. In fact, in early Christianity, they were all Jewish. In fact, they didn't think you could become a Christian if you weren't Jewish. They really didn't. Uh, when you read in the New Testament, the big fight that they had in the beginning was, can we let people who have not done this right all their life? Can we let non-Jews into this? Because they were the ones who from the beginning, early in the morning, had worked and followed the law of Moses and did all this stuff. And now you're telling me, after all of this, thousands of years of doing it, now we can go preach the gospels to anybody and they can just waltz in and get the same thing we got? Yes, that's exactly. And it was that message that changed the world. That we can come in on it. And then a lot of them got mad. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't handle it. And you'll read about it in your Bibles. You read the New Testament. You'll see that you hear them fight about the circumcision. You know, and that was their version of explaining those who were Jewish and those who were not Jewish. Because if you were going to be Jewish, you have to be circumcised. Which means the boys have to trim off the end of their willies. Which is, that'll get your attention. You know, and uh, uh, they finally decided you didn't have to do this. You don't have to trim off the end of your willie. Hallelujah. <laughs> which is encouraging because it's hard enough to get guys to come to church. I'm telling you right now, that would be a serious, serious hindrance there. Welcome to Celebration Church. Good to see you. You know, just, so, uh, so we don't have to do that. And that's what was going to happen. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like this. And there are people who, because of their religious upbringings or whatever, there's always versions of this who get a little torqued when somebody doesn't do it right, but yet they receive the blessings of those even though they didn't receive the blessing of those who did. But that's, it's just the way it works. It's wonderful. Whether you, hopefully you do this right. We put a lot of emphasis trying to get our young people. And they're out there right now talking to your kids and speaking in your life. And at Stephen's point, they're talking to your kids. And over in Appleton, downstairs in the basement, they're talking to your kids and they're doing Bible says. We're trying to get all this truth into them so they don't make a mess of things. But even if they do, even if you haven't heard any of this and you come in, you get in on the same deal. And it is wonderfully Good news, but there's people apparently who have problems with this. Jesus talked about it in, in another parable. Uh, we don't see it in Matthew. It's a very famous parable. I think the only one who talks about it is Luke. And it's the parable of the prodigal son. Those of you who are not familiar with it, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version of it. But uh, Jesus tells a story. This guy has two sons. And one son comes to him and says, hey, dad, because he had these, you know, he'd, he'd been successful, had a lot of money. He had set, set up these trusts for these boys for their inheritance. And the one says, Dad, can I have my inheritance now? And for whatever reason, the dad said, okay. So they, he gave him his inheritance. Well, the kid takes off. And he goes and he parties his brains out. Uh, the King James Version says he was involved in riotous living. And he was out there having a riot. He's blowing money on women and, you know, alcohol and parties and friends. I bet you he was highly popular. Anybody throwing money around 
Everybody loves those people, you know. Uh, and a lot of people, they're only your friends because of what they can get out of you. You know what I'm talking about? You really find out who your friends are when you got nothing to give them. And uh, so he gets to the end of his money. He blows it all like an idiot. And of course, now everybody abandons him, which is the case. And now he's flat broke and he's starving to death. So he has to go get work. The only job Jesus said he could find was feeding pigs. And uh, the Bible said he was, Jesus said he was so hungry that when he was feeding the pigs, he was envious of what the pigs were eating. And he was saying, man, I wish I could eat that. And, and then Jesus said, and then he came to his senses, which is an important thing. I mean, a lot of us, that's what it takes. We were in the slop, <laughs> you know. Before, all of a sudden, you come to your senses and think, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? This is insane. Everything I touch is falling apart. Everything I've turned to doesn't work. And you come to your senses and you come to God in your life. That was the point of the whole parable, which was very, very powerful. So uh, anyway, so he comes to this moment. If you haven't come to this moment in your life, I fear for you. You need to come to that moment. We all need that moment where, boom, it dawns on you. Man, you need God in your life. You don't think you need God. You're still living in the delusional world. Don't wait till you're slopping around with pigs before it takes. But God will do whatever he's got to do to get your attention. So anyway, the guy comes to a sense of this, this bites. He says, my dad's employees got it better than I got it. Because dad took pretty good care of the employees. So he comes up with this plan. He says, I, I'm going to go back to dad. And he started rehearsing the speech. He's going to say, when I, he says, Dad, I know I'm not your son anymore. You've disowned me. I'm not worthy to be your son. But if, if you just let me get a job, that's all I'm asking. And so, you know, and of course, going back has to be humiliating. I mean, it's the, right? When you've screwed up, now you've got to come back and then you've got to eat and crow. So he's coming back. He's a shell of a man at this point. And he gets close to home and he's rehearsing the speech and getting ready for the rejection. And Jesus said, when his dad looked up, he recognized him from a distance off. And he goes running towards his son. And when he sees his son, he hugs the boy and he kisses him and he's celebrating. Well, the kid goes into the pre-rehearsed speech. Because he, he rehearsed the speech. You got to give it, right? So he says, dad, I'm not worthy to be your son. But he doesn't listen to him. He says, no, no. He calls everybody together and says, let's celebrate put the nice robe on him, put the fancy ring on his finger, kill the fatted calf, and they start having this big yo mama celebration. He said, my son who was lost is found. He was dead. He's alive again. This dad is joyous beyond, beyond understanding. Now he's got every right to be ticked, right? The punk blew all the money. And I think we all know this feeling at some level. <laughs> he has every right to be angry. Surely a lot of people think, well, God won't have anything to do with me. He's got every right to be mad at me. I've done everything I know I shouldn't do. Clearly he's mad at me. You have to understand he's not mad at you. If you will just come his direction, he will run at you. And he will hug you and say, oh, yes, they've come home. That's the way God looks at it. So everybody, everybody's thrilled in having this party. Well, that's not the end of the story. Jesus says the other brother hears everybody partying. He says, what's that all about? He says, well, you know your loser brother. Yeah, well, he came home. What? So the brother is ticked. He's furious. And his dad has to come and calm him down. The same kind of story. There's something about people. I don't know what it is. They start to envy those who get in and receive the celebration. Even though they did everything wrong. 
But that's the kind of God that we have. The good news is he does that for you. You know? The bad news is I'm sure there's a lot of regret. The guy blew all his money. Who knows all those horrible things that he did. Everybody still feels a lot of guilt and regret that they struggle through. Better not to do that. Trust me, young people. But no matter who you are, what you've done, where you turn, there's always an open welcoming. And we should never allow ourselves to get upset because God blesses somebody else even though they've done a lot of things that are wrong. So it's an important, yes. Now I do want to warn you. Now there are people who are aware of this propensity that God has to let anybody in at any minute. Even deathbed conversions. And sometimes Christians argue about that. You know, can someone on their deathbed actually convert and God will forgive them? I believe so. Anybody who wants in. Look at the thief on the cross. Jesus looked at him and said, hey, today you'll be with me in paradise. What? Here's a guy who just showed some respect to Jesus on the cross. He did everything wrong. The difference was he knew he did everything wrong. The other guy didn't have a clue. He's still over there cussing, right? A frazzin, schlager, frazzin. Little humility goes a long way in the kingdom of God. But there are people who think, because of this propensity, well, I can do whatever I want. I don't have to worry about it. I'll, I'll get right with God later. Now, that's a big mistake. Because you don't know that you're going to have a later. All right? Uh, a lot of people think, well, just when I'm old, then I'll get right with God. You don't know that you'll do that. In your final hours, you don't know what's going to happen. And you're assuming you're going to have final hours. Some of us are going to go very quickly in this life, sad to say. You know, somebody's going to meet a car going 60 miles an hour, and they're coming 60 miles an hour, and you got time for nothing. You know, better to make things right when you have the opportunity. Don't assume anything. Um, and besides, you live life a certain way, you're probably going to go out a certain way. I, in closing, let me share this story with you. I, I remember hearing a man who was uh, involved in the worst uh, aviation accident in history. I believe to date it's still the worst one. Some of you guys my age will remember those 747s that crashed into each other, or some island or somewhere. One was getting ready to take off, the other one came in, some mess up. The one ripped in the other one, you know, poured. The guy's telling the story. He was in the one on the bottom. And, uh, uh, he uh, said all of a sudden, just big sound, and you, just, you could see the top being ripped through as the part of the gear was coming through, and all of a sudden, splash, they were all instantly covered in jet fuel. And it caught on fire. And uh, he tells an incredible story of how he got out of there and the grace of God. And uh, he shared that there were several other people who got out of there too who were also Christians. It was really a great testimony of how God knows how to protect you. That's why you want to walk with God. It's a smart thing to do, okay? So, so anyway, he's telling the story, but he said what haunted him for the longest time. I still can see it in my eyes and I can hear it in my ears. People, as they were slowly burning to death, who were screaming and yelling and cursing at God as they were dying. He said it was horrifying. Of course, they're running them through psychologists and stuff like that, through all the trauma afterwards. And He finally asked one of them, he said, I, I got a question. Why, why would anybody do that? If you know you're dying, there's death everywhere. There's no way you get out of this. Why would your response be to yell and scream and curse at God who you're about to meet face to face? 
And the psychologist told him, he says, well, you know, we've known for some time that people tend to die the way they live. So you need to be careful. Don't think you can ignore God all your life and at the last minute you're just going to make it right with him. If you can pull that off, he'll still take you back. What I'm telling you, the chances of you pulling off are highly unlikely. We tend to die the way we live. Mo Isom, who had an incredible story at the Women's Conference, a powerful speaker. Uh, she was this young lady who you all heard about nationally. She was the first woman to try for a college football team, you know, as, as the kicker and stuff like that. Anyway, a wonderful committed Christian. She'd been a committed Christian all her life. And then something horrible happened in her life. And for a year, she was running from God and mad at God and everything. And then she was in a horrible car accident. And immediately, as she's hanging upside down, her neck is broken. I mean, this is an incredible story. Immediately, her heart goes back to God. And she says, I instantly felt the presence of God in that car. As I'm hanging upside down, bleeding. I could feel God all over me. Why? Because we tend to God die the way that we live. You know, she had been living the right way. She had a rough patch. But, and miraculously, God pulled her through it. She has an amazing testimony today. So this, let me encourage you. While we'll always be there to put you back together. And if you're in church this morning, I don't care if you're in Appleton or in Stevens Point or here on the West Side or watching us on television, I don't care if you're in your 80s and you've never gotten right with God and you've got a million ideas in your mind why God would be mad at you. You need to know you can come. You can come to him at any time and you'll get the same wonderful payout. Even people who did life all their, all their life, they did it right you'll get the same thing. That's this wonderful, generous God that we have. But those of you who are young, don't, don't treat that in an arrogant way. Be careful. Better not to break in the first place. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Thank you for this wonderful parable today to see this picture of how generous you are to all of us. No matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter if we've done life right from the earliest of hours or if we just snuck in lately and are filled with years of regret, we still get this wonderful, same glorious payout because of your incredible grace and generosity. Lord, anyone who's listening to me today who's never truly surrendered their hearts, help them to surrender their hearts today so they can start to experience this great grace. And for those of us especially the younger ones. They got their whole lives in front of them, a lot of choices yet to make. Help them make the right choices and not to despise this grace, but to appreciate this wonderful, wonderful thing that they have. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless all of you. Amen. <laughs>